let us pray. Abba Father, may the Holy Spirit give us a willingness to listen and a greater understanding of your word for us today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us review the last few weeks before going forward today. In the first part of chapter 5, we saw that for those who have put their trust in Christ, that though we may be in these tent bodies in the here and now, our Father in heaven has promised us new, eternal, glorified bodies when Christ returns. And he guarantees his promise by giving his Holy Spirit to dwell within us until that time. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Verse 5. God has left us here to serve his purpose, and we should strive to make it our aim to please him. Verse 9. In all parts of our lives, for we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. Verse 10. Paul closed the chapter 5 by writing, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Verses 18 to 20. So again, God's purpose in leaving us in the world, but not of the world, was for the Holy Spirit to work through us to bring others into the kingdom of God by being his physical representatives here in the earthly realm. Some may still ask, how are we to engage with people in a spiritual manner? Last week, Paul wrote, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Verse 16. What is your relationship with Christ based on? Do you think you know Christ because you read the empirical facts in the Gospels? I hope not, because that means you know about Jesus, but you don't know the person of Christ, Son of God, that comes with understanding why he left the kingdom of God, the spiritual purpose for his time on earth, and accepting that Christ Jesus is both Savior and Lord of your life. For the true battle is on the spiritual level, and the outcome of that battle determines the eternal fate of the natural body. Our spiritual weapon is love, not the emotional love that has enraptured the world and comes and goes on a whim, but true agape love, the joyful giving of oneself without consideration of the cost. If we follow Paul's missionary trips through his epistles, we see his love in Christ for the churches. For the self-giving love of Christ controls us, 2 Corinthians 5.14.
This can be interrupt, interpreted in two ways, but it should have the same result in our lives. If this is Christ's love for us, then we must remember that he died not just for us, but for all the people of the world. And as it pours into us spiritually, we should share it with all those around us. If this is our self-giving love for Christ, then we must remember there are two commandments. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22 verses 37 and 39. In 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 8, Paul warns us that our deeds, both for God and our fellow man, if done without love, then we, not the deeds, but we ourselves, are like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We are making noises to attract attentions to ourselves and not giving of ourselves for others. He continues in verses 4 to 8 to give a list definition of love. Love is patient, love is kind, love does, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Love never ends. Notice a lot of negatives in that list. What not to do. Probably because that is what the Corinthians were doing. Though claiming to follow the example of Christ's love. I wonder if any of us recognize ourselves in anything on that list. Envious of others' position, possessions, or health. Boasting of our own accomplishments or possessions inflated opinion of ourselves, even our position before God, rude in our behavior to others, especially those we don't know, self-serving, easy to anger, resentful, rejoicing in others' mistakes or sins, forgetting but for the grace of God, we would be wearing their shoes. For our purposes, let us rephrase the list replacing the knots with the opposites. Love is patient, love is kind, love is contented with what the Lord has provided. It is humble and gentle. It is undemanding. It is peaceful and good. It grieves at the wrongdoings of others and rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Love never ends. Can we, on our own, considering the continual struggle we still have with our old nature, possibly love our neighbors, never mind God, in the completeness of this agape love? We don't have to do it on our own. Remember always, we serve an awesome God. Our Father never asks us to do something without also supplying the means. 
if we are one of his children, then we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. That is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Notice the similarity to the list in 1 Corinthians. Now the thing about fruit is it, it is it is very particular in that like produces like. You won't get an oak tree from an apple tree, a horse from a cat, flesh from spirit. Fruit contains the essence of the original, all that is necessary to produce the same again, which is the sole purpose of fruit. If God is love and God the Holy Spirit indwells each believer as surety of God's promise of our future, then in the here and now, he will plant in our spirits his fruit, the perfect love of him and our neighbor. However, we have a tendency to try to do things our way, unintentionally and yes, sometimes intentionally, ignoring the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. Paul writes, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. And if we live by the Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25. Let us take a step-by-step -step look at the components of the love that is the fruit of the Spirit and see how they can help us as we reach out with the gospel of salvation to those God brings to us. How do we reach out with the love of God, the fruit of the Spirit, to those lost souls around us? First, reaching out with the gospel message should not be a drudge. Yes, our hearts should grieve that there are still so many lost, even among our families. Remember the joy of our Father for everyone that turns back to Him. Our joy that He reached out to us even when we were lost and adopted us into his family. And let our outreach reflect and share that joy. Secondly, we must be at peace in our relationship with God and then reach out in a spirit of peace. If we are contentious from the start, then the fences will come out right away. There will be times when the spirit gives us some hard words they don't want to hear. But if we are aggressive in our deliverance, we, we will have lost a lost soul. Thirdly, recognize that we may be in for the long haul. Too often, we want the instant conversion. But that is not the norm, and often they are responding emotionally and fall aside quickly. We need the patience to build a relationship of trust, to come alongside them on their journey to Christ, being there when they need us. At times too, we will only be the planters of the seed of the gospel and someone else will feed and harvest. We must have the patience 
to keep step with the leading of the Spirit here. Fourthly, we need to reach out in kindness and with goodness. This may sound like I am repeating myself, but they are actually two sides of the same coin. Kindness is the attitude of our hearts, our willingness to step out without recrimination at all costs, being available when they need us to be, dealing with their faults in a manner that brings them to God, not away. Goodness is our actions that back up our words. If they have a need, can we fulfill it or lead them to a resource? Here is where we walk the talk. Remember verse 10 from 2 Corinthians 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. Faithfulness or trusting in the Lord should arguably be the first, but I'm following Paul's list. We have to put our trust in the Holy Spirit to lead us. Pray that the Spirit will put the name of someone on our hearts. Lift them in prayer before meeting them, praying that the Holy Spirit will soften their hearts and then pray that he will provide all that is needed. Pray for him to place questions in the heart of that searching heart and pray for the words to answer. Then comes the hard part. Listen and walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Trust in him. Do everything with a gentleness of heart, remembering that in our meekness, we have the power of our Lord behind us. There will be times where we will be tempted to exert undue power, abuse the sense of dependence that might develop, start thinking it's all happening because of us, but true love reduces our importance and places the other always as the priority. Yes, we may think we have an awesome power at our hands, but self-control of the will recognizes that the power is really of the Lord, and we are only the conduit to rescue a lost soul. As I explained at the in-person service last week, I didn't plan on closing with the excerpt from Acts 16, but felt the Holy Spirit leading to replace my closing with it. Then the men's breakfast gave me my text from 1 Corinthians and Galatians. In case you're wondering, no, this sermon is not a summary of the men's breakfast talk. So once again, we come to Acts 16. 24 to 34. To get the fuller picture, you should read verses 16 through to 40. I wonder, as you read it, whether you can spot the fruit of the Spirit as Paul deals with the slave girl, verses 16 to 18, the owner's crowd and magistrates in verses 19 to 24, the jail and the prisoners in verses 25 and 26 the jailer and his family in verses 27 to 34, and the magistrates again in verses 35 to 39. In the case of the magistrates, consider that Philippi 
was a Roman colony, autonomous within the province, with local administrators appointed as magistrates to rule according to Roman law. I will give a few, but the rest is homework. It's okay, Pastor Dan should be back next week, so I guess I won't be checking your homework. You can see that Paul was taking the Ministry of Re Reconciliation to six different people or groups. Notice gentleness and self-control towards the slave girl. He was annoyed, but not at her, but the demon who possessed her, and he dealt with him in the power of Christ. Despite the treatment from owners, crowds, and magistrates, notice Paul and his companions put their trust, faithfulness in the Lord, praying and singing hymns. Paul displayed kindness and goodness in preventing the jailer from killing himself and then giving him the salvation message. Let's see what other aspects of agape love you can find in those passages. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, give us grievous hearts for the lost around us, a willingness to listen when you ask us to step out with gospel message of reconciliation and fill us with the love of Christ to empower us in our outreach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.